It's good to have everybody here. So uh, last week, uh, Pastor Roberts finished up his series on practical evangelism and hope you enjoyed uh, the last two months and meditating on that. And uh, Pastor Brian is probably going to be starting a series uh, for a little while on generosity and some meditations on that. And then uh, before we're done with Sunday School for the year, Gary's going to come and do the last five weeks of his series on uh, bibliology. So that's going to be really fun. But we've, we've wanted to um, bring out uh, – well, so basically, let me, let me go back a little bit. Uh, in 2016, when I was on sabbatical, one of the places that we worshipped was Sacred Road, which is the Presbyterian Church in America's, the PCA's mission uh, to the Yakima people. And no, I did not misspell it. The Yakima tribe spells it with an A, not an I, like uh, the whiteys across the, uh, the, the, the fence. So... Uh, the Yakima people, uh, right outside of Yakima, Washington. And it's just an amazing, amazing ministry to the Yakima people. And we were really blessed to be there. We were excited. And, I, and there was a bunch of teams there helping out for a week during the summer. And I started thinking, how do we get uh, a vision to go and take our youth and whoever wants to go and serve there? Um, so fast forward a couple years. You guys remember Pastor Shaw, John Shaw, came out and preached a few years ago. Uh, he does church planning for the, our denomination. He sends me a text or an email and says, hey, my cousin's working out at Sacred Road. Any chance he could come and share about the work? And I said, absolutely. This is what I've been waiting for. And so uh, we've got Evan and Holly Shaw uh, who are working out with the Yakima people. And they are here to share with us uh, the work of Sacred Road. So I'm going to invite them up. And uh, if, you, if you could open us in prayer and share about the work, that would be great. Make sure this thing's on. Yeah, okay. <laughs> all right, uh, let's, let's all pray. Lord, uh, we come before you. Uh, we recognize who you are, um, that, you are, that you are great, that you are loving, and that you are just, uh, and that you are kind. And we thank you for the chance that we have to gather together here um, to worship you um, and to fellowship together. Um, I just pray that uh, you would be with Holly and I as we talk about Sacred Road and what's going on there and what you're doing there, um, that you would... Uh, make it clear, um, and that you would uh, just work um, it, through this presentation in whatever way you see fit. Um, and we just thank you that uh, this congregation is hosting us. We thank you for their generosity, for their hospitality, um, and I pray that you would continue to bless them and grow them closer to you. In your name, amen. amen. All right, so... Um, so my wife, Holly, and I uh, will give you a little bit of background on where, where we come from, um, how we ended up where we are now. Um, so we both grew up in the Presbyterian Church in America, the PCA, um, and we lived in Pennsylvania for pretty much our whole lives uh, and uh, grew up there going to PCA churches and then went to Geneva College, a small uh, liberal arts Christian school um, in, in Pennsylvania. Um, that's actually where uh, John who you guys have heard preach also uh, went. Um, and so, yeah, so um, during our college years, we kind of got involved with Sacred Road Ministries. Uh, we did internships with Sacred Road during the summers. So we've spent, uh, let's see, you've spent three summers out there, and I've spent 
uh, five summers out there prior to us moving there full time um, and just saw what God was doing there um, and saw what God was doing uh, in, in Yakima, which is uh, where the church plant or the mission church is, and also in Warm Springs, which is actually a reservation in Oregon, and Sacred Road has ministry going on there as well. And we'll talk about that and, and how that started to happen a little bit later. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of our background, where we come from. Uh, you have anything to add? Uh, no? Okay. All right. <laughs> So to give you an idea of where the reservations are, um, you can see on the map Yakima is the dark purple um, in Washington, kind of towards the south there. And you can also see on this map the lighter colors are the seeded land. So that's land where the the Yakima people would have traveled, and and they were were very much a traveling tribe, so they would have traveled through there to fish and hunt and and pick berries and roots and that kind of thing. Um, So when the reservations were made, uh, they seeded that land to the U.S. government and kept what is now known as the Yakima Reservation. Um, and, and the same thing for, for all of the other tribes that are listed there. But you can also see Warm Springs, which is in Oregon, um, and that uh, kind of gives you an idea of where that reservation is in comparison to Yakima. Uh, and we'll talk about the different ministries that are going on in, uh, in Yakima and in Warm Springs. So. All right, so now we're going to move into... Oh, here we go. Now we're going to move into um, how Sacred Road started. Um, so in this picture here, um, Chris Granberry, he's in the center there, and, and his wife is in the pink dress with the jean jacket. And they moved in 2003 with their four kids, who were all under the age of 10, um, to start a church on the Yakima Reservation. Um, Chris originally found out about the res from MTW, Mission to the World. He, there was a couple mission trip teams that were going there just um, once or twice a year, and he went on one of those. Um, and when he was there, he really saw just a, a broken community that had no church. Um, there was no church um, witnessing to the people, ministering in any way. Um, and he was heartbroken. And he came home, and two years later, um, he really felt the spirit just moving and working in his heart that whole time. And he moved his family to the Akbar Reservation in 2003 um, with a desire to, to start a church there. Um, and their real desire is to love our first neighbors well, because they are they're originally our first neighbors in White Swan, um, which is kind of like um, a town um, on the res that they are focused on ministering to. Um, so they began with an adult Bible study in the Longhouse, and the Longhouse is a traditional place for um, the Yakima people to gather um, to um, do ceremonies and feasts, and they have funerals and celebrations there. And it's just a traditional place for their people to gather. And that's where they would meet and have Bible studies, which is kind of a crazy thing that they would let um, these white people who moved to the res um, meet in their traditional place to have Bible studies. Um, They met a man there, his name is Wendell, and you'll see him in the video that we'll show at the end. Um, Wendell is an elder in the community, and um, a lot of people looked up to him, um, and he was really a man of wisdom for Chris and Mary. He shared a lot with them about their religion and their traditions and um, what's important um, to their to the Yakima people. And Wendell ended up giving a key to the longhouse to Chris and Mary, Granberry. 
And he said, there's only three keys to the longhouse, and you have one of them. Um, and it was just really um, him accepting them into the community, which was really um, a big deal um, for them to have that. Um, and so they also, in their first few years of ministry, they started doing kids clubs in Totus Park. So it would be them and their four kids, and they would go to a little housing community, and they would get bubbles out and chalk and just start playing with any kids that would show up. And that's kind of how the whole ministry started. It's just them going into the neighborhoods where the kids were and having fun with them, playing them, and sharing who Jesus was with them. And he did a lot of relational ministry. So basically anyone they met, if they had a need, they would help meet that. So maybe that would look like going, driving them to the grocery store or to the post office or um, helping them pick up the trash in their yard, or giving them food if they didn't have what they needed, um, just trying to meet any needs that the people had in the community. And that's kind of how the whole church started. And so while they were there on the res, they learned um, a lot. And there's a lot of statistics, um, just really um, hard things that people are dealing with on a daily basis. Um, 100% of people are affected by alcoholism in some way. So there's someone in their family or friend um, who is struggling with that. Um, and it affects a lot of kids because a lot of um, moms are drinking while they're pregnant. And so the children end up with fetal alcohol syndrome. So there's a lot of um, learning disabilities um, and just um, a lot of things that happen because of the high alcoholism rate. Um, the poverty rate is 30%, which is double what it is um, in the U.S. The homelessness rate is 70%, um, which is very high. Um, but it looks a lot different on a res. Um, the, you don't see a lot of like homeless people just sitting on the streets like you would in a city. Um, on the res, a lot of kids and youth and adults are kind of moving from home to home because they don't have a home of their own. And so... Um, kids are staying with their aunt for a few weeks, and then the next week they'll be staying with an uncle or a grandparent. And that affects the church a lot, too, because we pick up the kids for church in the school bus. And a lot of the times you'll go to a home, and they're not there anymore. So you have to figure out where they are um, because they're just moving around so much. Um, it's hard to keep track of them sometimes. Um, and because of that instability that a lot of the kids and youth have in their home, um, the dropout rate is really high. It's 65%. So a lot of kids aren't graduating high school. Um, but something that ha that's been really exciting is within the last couple years, um, there's a youth group going on now, and we'll kind of get into that in a little bit. But um, last year, I think there were six youth who graduated from high school from the youth group. Um, which was really exciting. So we had a big celebration, and anything that we can celebrate, we do at the church. So like birthdays and graduations and anything, because often, some a lot of the times those things aren't celebrated at the home because there's no one there who wants to celebrate them. And so we make sure to do that in the church for them. The unemployment rate is 75%, and there's a lot of things that go into that. The alcoholism, a lot of people don't have driver's license, they can't get around, or they don't have a working car. And there's, yeah, there's a lot of things that go into There's not a lot of jobs available on the res. And so the unemployment rate is really high. And because of a lot of the stress and things that are going on in people's daily lives, um, the life expectancy is only 39 years old. 
And so a lot of people do not live very long, um, and there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of um, suicide, there's a lot of, um, just because people are um, excessively drinking, there's a lot of um, deaths because of that. Um, and so there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of funerals. You attend a lot more funerals than you do weddings. And um, yeah, there's just a lot, a lot of hard stuff that people um, are trying to deal with that kind of just keeps, keeps them in a cycle, um, which is really hard to get out of. Um, and Evan's going to hit on the last one here. You want to sister? Oh, yeah. I forgot I have this. Um, so, yeah. So, um, generational trauma uh, is one thing that we talk about um, at Sacred Road when we're looking at um, just the Yakima people and the Warm Springs people. Um, and, and a lot of these things are, these statistics are um, for the Yakima and Warm Springs. Um, they're very similar. Um, and so, generational trauma, we're kind of looking at... Um, things that have happened to the people that we're working with, the kids we're working with, to their grandparents, to their great-grandparents, things that have kind of been passed down. Um, and one of the main things is uh, Indian boarding schools um, that happened in the late 1800s and into the, into the early 1900s. Um, and uh, a lot of those boarding schools um, would take uh, children and, and they would take them a lot of times forcibly from their parents and they would uh, dress them in you know, clothes that were not traditional for them. They would cut their hair. They would tell them, you're not allowed to speak, their, speak your language. Um, they would be beaten sometimes if they sp- spoke their language. Um, so really just trying to kill out the culture um, and the language and the tradition of the Yakima people, the Warm Springs people. And this, it wasn't just them either. It was, it, it was fairly widespread. Um, and so this is people's grandparents. Like some people who, like Wendell, his, uh, I think it was his mom, was at a boarding school, so he is directly affected by that, um, and he, he's. It definitely makes it difficult um, for a church to come in and try to minister to them because the boarding schools were closely connected to churches and to denom- denominations. Um, so there's that mistrust that's already there for good reason um, between the uh, the people there and the church. Um, so really, um, what Wendell has said before is that. Uh, that what Chris is doing now is kind of like a reinvasion of Native America, um, and he says if the first invasion of Native America had been like this one, things would have been way different. He says he, he says that the church he he believes is the only true hope for the children um, in the community, and so that's been really neat to see how uh, Chris and Mary were able to take this ministry and really just make it something that is so different from what has happened before that people are saying, what is going on here? Why are you different? Um, and and it, it takes a long time when you're trying to overcome those kind of things. Um, and they've been there for 17 years. And, and we're, you know, that they're, sometimes, sometimes you'll, uh, you'll hear them talk about people that they met, maybe their first couple years there. And uh, only just now are those people kind of coming back around and, and starting to actually attend church and really ask questions and be like, what is this about? Um, so yeah, it can take a really long time um, when you're trying to overcome those things. Um, but we know that through Christ, all things are possible. Um, and as he works, he, he works in his own time. So we, we try to be patient and wait for that while doing, uh, doing what we can and, and working uh, through what the scripture says that we can do. Um, so, so what is Sacred Road about? That kind of ties into that. Um, there are three major things that Chris talks about 
Um, and those are sharing the gospel, making disciples, and equipping the saints for ministry. And in the early stages of the ministry, sharing the gospel was a huge, like that was, that was the main focus. That's really largely what they were doing because people just didn't know the gospel. They didn't know who Christ was. They didn't know what he had done. Um, they didn't know how that would apply to them. Um, and so that was something that was really big in the, in the first several years of ministry. Um, and then they kind of were able to step into the making disciples um, part of that um, when people started attending the church and really wanted to get into that. Um, and, and they started to be able to start making disciples and, and see what that looked like. And it's been really cool. Over the last couple years now, they've really started to be able to equip the saints for ministry um, because there are young folks who have grown up going to kids' club and hearing the gospel there, going to church, hearing the gospel there, and, and seeing it lived out uh, through, through the lives of the people there. Um, and those kids are now young adults. Um, and there are several who are really starting to take up leadership roles in the church, um, and they're starting to to uh, do those things uh, that, you know, that for a long time it was Chris and Mary and the staff there that were doing those things, and now they're trying to step into those roles. So that's, that's been really, really neat to see, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. Um, so... All of these things that Sacred Road does, and I'll kind of walk through them in a, uh, in a minute, but all of these things tie back into one of those three uh, foundational principles, sharing the gospel, making disciples, or equipping the saints. Um, and so the church building, as you'll see right there, that, that's actually pretty recent. Um, last, I think it was six years ago is when they first moved into it, had their first actual service there. And prior to that, they were meeting in the longhouse. Um, so, so this is, is a space where now people from the community can come, and it's a safe space um, for the kids to be able to, to play, um, to learn about Jesus, and, and for the adults to come and know that they're going to be heard, that people are going to listen to them, care about them, um, and then they're going to also hear the gospel while they're there. Um, and then there's also a youth group going on, so there's usually somewhere between 60 and 100 kids. It kind of depends on the season. Um, generally in the summer, there's a lot more kids coming, um, but it can be between 60 and 100 kids coming to youth group. Again, all brought by buses and vans because transportation is a huge issue. Um, Mercy ministry that's going on, so stuff like fixing up people's houses. Like, so, for example, uh, last spring we were working on uh, a single mom who had, who had several kids and was also taking care of her, her mom who had a lot of health issues. So she did not have a lot of time on her hands or the ability to do a whole lot, um, but we were able to um, fix up a double wide for her that she had bought um, and make it livable for her. Um, and so that, that kind of thing in mercy ministry. Uh, food ministry, which Holly will talk about a little bit more. Um, there's the 412 program. We'll talk about that more, too. Uh, discipleship group. So that's uh, young folks who have been a part of the youth group who have expressed interest in learning more about what it means to be a Christian or who have professed faith and um, want to grow, grow that faith. Um, so that's for them. Uh, economic development. Um, there is a screen printing business that's going on where uh, youth and young adults from the community are able to learn job skills, what it means to, to uh, you know, come to work on time and manage their money, save their money, that kind of stuff. So they're learning, learning those kind of things for the first time often. Um, uh, young Life, so uh, what Sacred Road has done too is partnered with Young Life in the schools. Uh, I don't know how many of you have heard of Young Life, but it's kind of an after-school um, program where, where the gospel is preached and just trying to connect with kids on a personal level um, on a day-to-day -day basis. So, uh, and then One Week Teams, which is 
something that we'd love to, you know, have have uh, you guys at some point, if, if that's something that you feel like the Lord is leading you towards, is uh, coming out and spending a week on the reservation um, and getting to know the people there, getting to know the kids, playing with them, loving on them, sharing the gospel, um, and just becoming kind of a part of that community. Um, and one really cool thing about uh, the Yakima and Warm Springs communities is um, the way that their mindset is, it's a tribal mindset. Um, so when a church group comes in and, and does work uh, and then leaves, even though you are leaving, they're viewing you as a as part of the larger church, which is actually something that's really an interesting thing where they kind of get that right away. And sometimes in a more individualistic culture, we don't get that right away necessarily, but they get that it's part of a larger church body, a larger family. Um, and so that's something that you guys can be part of um, if, if that's where you, f- if you feel like the Lord might be calling you towards that. So, um, and then we have one week teams in the spring. Uh, usually those are RUF, uh, Reformed University Fellowship groups coming in. And then in the summer, a lot of times we have church groups coming in um, and, and serving during the summer weeks. So yeah, so those are kind of a lot of the different ministries that are going on. And this is the 412 program. So it's based on Ephesians 412, which talks about equipping uh, the saints for ministry. Um, and you'll see, so I'll, I'll work top to bottom, like left to right, and then top to bottom. So there's Tiana, uh, Cinnaba, Jirone, uh, Philip and Stephen and Jade, and they're all part of the 412 program, um, which is where they're taking over a lot of uh, how the church is run. So Tiana works with kids ministry, uh, does a lot of that. Senebo works in the kitchen and does food ministry. Uh, Jirone helps with the upkeep of the building, um, and sometimes we'll help on, like, if we, if we work on somebody's house, he'll, he'll help with that. Firewood. And firewood, yes. Standing, Standing right by the firewood. Uh, so that's one of the things that we do, too, is provide firewood for elders and uh, people in the community who have trouble, you know, keeping their house warm during the winter. Um, we'll provide firewood for them. So that's something that he does. Um, and then Jirone, or uh, Philip and Stephen in the bottom left corner, they also kind of help with those same things. And then Jade is kind of administrative and, and helps... Uh, Veronica, who's right beside her, um, she helps Veronica get like all the team paperwork for when teams are coming in and, and that kind of thing, um, keep, keeping that in order. So, so yeah, it's really been cool to see God working in their lives and and just working um, in their hearts as as they grow in their faith and as they um, kind of understand what more and more what it's like to serve as a part of the church and to be a part of a church family. So, yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of kids and youth ministry that goes on. Um, That's really kind of the focus of the ministry. Um, And so in the summers, which is something Evan and I have been a part of a lot, um, we do kids clubs. So this happens both in Yakima and in Warm Springs. So we go where the kids are. So going into their communities and having a bunch of fun things for them to do. Um, Because a lot of times the kids don't get to be kids. Because the older siblings are often taking care of their younger siblings. And we want... Kids Club to be a time where they don't have to be the parent anymore. They can have fun. They can be a kid. They can run around. They can laugh. And they can play. And a lot of times it'll take them a long time to feel like they can do that, um, to be comfortable with us and to be like trust us with their with their siblings, whoever they brought with them. And so um, we always have a there's about an hour and a half of playtime. We just play with them, do whatever they're doing, being on their level, um, and being a kid with them, playing with them. 
And then we have a Bible story time, and the kids get to act out in the Bible story. So they often remember it better because they were, they were Peter who was walking on the water, and they remember what happens, or the parable of the lost sheep. That's um, the story that we did in Warm Springs when we went for a Valentine's party. And so I'm just really trying to get the kids involved um, as much as we can. And we always have snack time during the story, um, providing for the kids' needs physically and spiritually, um, and just making sure that they know that they're loved, and they're loved not by, only by us, but by God, um, whose love is much greater than ours. Um, so there's Kids Club that goes on just during the summer, and then they have youth group that goes on all year round. So like Evan said, we there's about 60 to 100 kids that come, and there's a, a hangout time in the beginning, and there's always a meal served at youth group. Um, so like pizza or nachos or whatever. Um, and food is also a big part of their um, traditional Native community. Um, food means love, and um, food means that like we love you and we want you here. And so um, we always try to make sure that there's, there's food for anyone who comes. Um, what other ministries am I forgetting? Uh, Kingdom Kids. Oh, yeah, Kingdom Kids. So Kingdom Kids is an after-school program, and they have that three days a week, and the kids, we help them do their homework, learn how to read, and there's also playtime, and there's food, and it's a really great time for the kids to come. There's probably about 30 to 40 kids that are involved with that. Um, yeah, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Still have this. <laughs> um, all right. Um, so, and then we also do a lot of mercy and food ministry. So, mercy ministry kind of talked about it already. Um, and the teams during the summers and springs also help help out a lot with that. Um, basically, there's only so much that the, the people on staff and the people uh, from the community that are helping with the like in the 412 program. There's only so much that we can do. Um, but when teams come in with you know, a, a team can be made up of three or four churches and might be 50, 60 people. Um, and when, when those people come in, we can get three houses roofed and painted and, and a lot more done. Um, so that's something where uh, the, the teams that come in the summer and spring are a huge blessing um, to us, but also to the community and allow that to happen. So, uh, and then you want to talk about food? Yeah, and so in this picture, we are delivering food boxes to different people in the community. And so um, there's Ariana and Carol and then their grandma in that picture. And they've been really involved in the church. They're, um, Ariana and Carol are really involved in everything. Sundays, Kingdom Kids, youth groups, discipleship groups. They're really at the church probably like, I don't even know, like 15 hours a week. I'm um, just being loved on and, and um, taken care of and... And, yeah, there's a lot of people and a lot of kids like that who are really almost at everything that the church has, um, which is really encouraging to see them really wanting to be there because it's a place that they know is, is safe and is good. And, yeah, so we do a lot of um, delivery, especially around the, the holidays, too, of food boxes, but it is something that goes on all year round. I still have this. Okay. Um, so... So uh, we're going to kind of move into talking a little bit about Warm Springs and, and what ministry looks like there and how it's different, um, how God is working and growing it there, um, but what it looks like there. Um, so we felt a call of Warm Springs. Um, well, and it started out when I first went to Warm Springs, um, oh, geez, five years ago. Um, 
then I kind of felt God tugging at my heart. At that point in time, I didn't know what it meant. I, di I didn't know if, if this was something that was meant to be long-term or if it was just for that summer. Um, but I talked to Chris about it, and he said, well, let's, let's kind of explore this farther. Um, we were engaged. We were going to get married. So he said, hey, she needs to come out and see what she thinks about this and, and what she feels about this. Um, so she came out with me that next summer. Um, we went to Warm Springs again, and she kind of expressed the same things, that, that we really felt that God was leading us in this direction. Um, and, and then we started to talk about, okay, if he is, what would this look like? What doors would need to open? Um, and what would need to happen uh, for, the, for this to actually be, become a reality? Um, and so... So we talked with Chris and Mary a lot about that, um, talked to the board uh, of Sacred Road about that, um, and just God kept opening doors, um, gave us an amazingly supportive family and church family back in Pennsylvania um, who, who sent us off and uh, just kept opening doors, and, and it, it was really, it, it was exciting for us, at the, uh, and still is exciting for us, really. Um, and so, uh, but biblically, a lot of where that call stems from, too, is seeing a need in Warm Springs that is a hugely under-churched community. Um, just a lot of folks don't even know that what the gospel actually is. They may have, they, they kind of know that people are Christians and what that might mean, but they don't actually know the truth of the gospel, um, and they don't know what it means to be a follower of Christ um, and to be saved. Um, so, so yeah, so for us, uh, Isaiah 58 is definitely a foundational passage for Sacred Road Ministries as a whole, and it really hits home with us as well. Um, and um, honestly, not even Isaiah 58, but that whole section surrounding it, um, where we see the, the, the will that God has to, for people to pour themselves out for the hungry, um, to satisfy the desires of the afflicted. Um, and, and then it goes on to talk about how we can't do that um, on our own, that it, that's not possible. And then I think it's Isaiah 61 talks about a great mighty warrior um, who is coming and, and that he fulfills those, those things um, so that through Christ uh, we can do those things um, and through Christ working in us and through us that we're able to, to pour ourselves out um, because he fills us up. So, um, so that was definitely something that convicted us. Um, and we... Uh, so... The way that Sacred Road initially got involved in Warm Springs, um, having already been on the Yakima Reservation, I think it was three or four years into Chris and Mary being on the Yakima Reservation, um, Chris was kind of, he would do whatever needed to be done to help people out in the community. So Wendell called him one day and said, hey, there's this lady, her door got kicked in by, he thinks it was her ex-husband, a bunch of her stuff got stolen, but her door was completely ruined. She didn't feel safe because she couldn't lock her door. Um, and so he said, hey, can you go over there and replace it and fix it? Um, and so Chris was like, oh, okay, all right, I'll go do that. Um, and it, it kind of common, that kind of thing was kind of common for him at the time. Um, so he, he didn't really think anything of it. Went over there um, and didn't really get to talk to her a whole lot because she was so upset by what had happened and was just crying. And she would find things that were missing, like, you know, old probably old like grand, grandma's jewelry or you know something that really had sentimental sentimental value to her and was gone and then she would start crying again and just he, he really didn't have a chance to talk to her so when he went home after fixing the door that day um he was like man like what kind of preacher am i what did i you know what did i do i all i did was i fixed the door and i didn't even share the gospel i didn't you know even say anything to her really um and he kind of was you know, not feeling great about it, um, but didn't really think a whole lot about it. And then a few weeks later, uh, Wendell calls him again and says, uh, hey, Arlen 
uh, so that was the lady's name, Arlen. Um, he said, hey, Arlen is moving down to Warm Springs, and she's running for tribal council down there. And Chris was like, okay, um, that's great. Didn't really think anything of it. Um, and then a few months later, he finds out from Wendell that Arlen was elected to tribal council when she got down there because she had actually grown up in Warm Springs, so people down there knew her, um, and she got elected to tribal council. Um, and the first thing that she did on tribal council was say, there's this group in Yakima, Sacred Road, there's a church group um, that is serving the community there, um, and they need to come down here and do the same thing. So they got asked by the tribal council in Warm Springs um, to bring people down in the summers like they were doing in, uh, in Yakima, to have people there in the summers um, to help on the reservation. Um, and and uh, Chris found out later that Arlen was a Christian and that she actually had a degree oh, from, I can't, yeah, a business degree from some university, um, some, like stuff that he never would have thought in the, uh, at, at first. Um, and God used that door being kicked down, uh, he, he used that to open a whole other door um, to Warm Springs. And so that was something where it was, it's really cool to, to see how God has worked there and opened that door. Um, and we've been doing ministry there in the summers now for, I think, 11 years, 12 years, 12 years. Um, uh, not, not specifically Holly and I, we've been there about uh, six years, but um, yeah, but Sacred Road has been there for 12 years. Um, and uh, people have been praying for a church there for full-time ministry there for a long time. Um, and so we're, we're excited that we're kind of finally seeing the, the first steps being taken now towards that. Um, and that's, that's where Holly and I want to end up uh, with a small team of people um, to you know, start ministry there full-time. Um, and there's also a guy down there named Don. He actually pastors a church off the reservation, um, but he grew up on the reservation. And he always says, how do you bring hope to a community that has little or no hope? And challenges us with that question. Um, and the answer, of course, is it's the hope of Christ. It, it, it's, it's the gospel. Um, but how do we go about doing that in this particular community? Um, how do we love this community well in a way that they're going to understand and respond to? Um, and what we found is, start, uh, and what has worked in, in Yakima and the way that God has worked there is it started with the kids. Um, and it started with loving the kids. And then the parents are, are you know, that kind of gives you something in common with, with whoever's not necessarily the parent, but whoever's taking care of the kid. Um, they say, hey, I, I love my kids too. Like, we kind of have something in common. Why do you love my kids? Um, and then that, that opens a door. Um, and it takes a long time sometimes. Um, but that's, that's, that's how they've got to where they are in Yakima, and that's how God has worked there. Um, so, yeah, so that's something that we're definitely looking forward to uh, is seeing how God continues to grow the ministry in Warm Springs. Uh, we are... Uh, doing kids clubs there in the summer. So that's some pictures you can see here. Um, we also in the summer have teams there that work on houses or buildings in the community to try to make sure that um, uh, we're serving the community well in those ways as well. Um, and then we're able to pray for people a lot. Uh, actually, last summer, we had a whole lot of people, a lot more than we'd had in the past, um, come up to us and just ask for prayer. Um, so just little things like that. And, and currently we're in that... We were talking about the three kind of sharing the gospel, uh, discipling, and equipping the saints. Um, and we're definitely in the sharing the gospel phase right now uh, in Warm Springs. Um, but we're excited to see how God works and moves in the future as we, as we move there full time and, and see what happens. So. You can go. We're a little okay. Long. So what it, 
Oh, oh yeah, yeah, sorry. So um, what does the future hold for, for us? Um, so we are planning to move to Warm Springs in one to two years um, to start ministry. Um, so that'll probably look like starting Bible studies, starting a youth group, doing Young Life, um, that kind of thing. And just continue to build relationships and cultivate new ones. And we, yeah, want to expand ministry in a bunch of different ways and sharing the burdens and joys of our first neighbors. Um, really, ministry um, is walking alongside of people in their life, what they're going through, um, celebrating what they're celebrating and mourning what they're mourning, and um, just being with people. Because um, a lot of people feel alone and a lot of people feel hopeless. And having um, someone there and someone um, who really loves and cares about them um, because they're created by God and God also loves them. Um, sharing that with them, um, a lot of people really, um, they, they, can, they relate to that and they really appreciate that. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of our next steps. So how can you get involved? Um, so uh, the first way is please, please pray. Um, pray for the people of Yakima for the people of Warm Springs, um, pray that God will be working in their hearts, that God will uh, be opening doors, um, and that he'll be uh, just continuing to work as he has. And we've seen him work in the past, um, just continuing to work there. Uh, pray for the staff, for us, uh, and for the staff uh, in Yakima, and the, the young folks, especially the young folks who are now starting to take up those leadership roles. Pray for them that they will continue walking by faith, that they'll, that they'll continue growing, um, and that they'll just continue serving their communities and, and grow in that. Um, and then the second way is, is uh, please give. So um, there are opportunities to, to give to the ministry, um, specifically to like specific ministries, so kids' ministry, youth ministry. Um, there's also general funds for Warm Springs and Yakima. And then there's also uh, personal support for staff um, to keep people on there. Um, and then please come. And that's one thing we always emphasize, too, is come and see what's going on. Come and see what God is doing um, there. And uh, so, yeah, we would love to have you guys, you know, however many, <laughs> we would love to have you um, come and see what God is doing and be a part of that um, and be a part of that, the work that he's doing there. Um, so personally for us, uh, we uh, have raised, of the $4,800 that we need in monthly support, um, we're actually looking at an increase uh, next year because of things moving to Warm Springs, our housing costs are going to go up. Uh, we're also looking at health insurance costs going up in the next year. Um, so we have a little bit more that we do need to raise. So um, that's our monthly support needs. And if you would prayerfully consider if that might be something God's calling you towards, we would really appreciate that. And we'd love to talk to you more um, after the service too. Um, we do have like a board over there that has information on it too. Um, it has some pictures. We have a sign-up sheet for our email newsletter. Um, and we have some... Uh, papers over there that talk more about each of the ministries that uh, Sacred Root has going on and, and, and what God is doing there. Um, so, yeah, please stop by that table, too. Um, and, yeah, thank you so much for the, the time that you've taken to, to listen and, and hear what's going on there. And we'd love to talk to you more. We'll be sticking around for the meal afterwards, so we'd, we'll, we'd love to talk to you more then, too. Um, before we wrap up, we have a real quick video to show. All right. We don't have time for a question. No, that's okay. 
So the first time I ever came to the reservation was in the summer of 2000, and I was really devastated by what I saw and the stories I heard. Um, it was obvious that the children were just in desperate shape. There was a lot of neglect and a lot of abuse. You see families uh, uh, that are broken, uh, whether it be through alcoholism, through drug addiction, uh, all the things that tend to tear a family apart are very evident here within our reservation. So the need was very obvious, and from the very beginning, I thought this town needs a healthy church. They need a group of Christians who are reaching out with the truth and the love of Jesus and sharing the gospel in an effective way uh, with the community. We're real excited about our new building. We've been in it for a couple years now, and it's just a huge blessing. But even more than that, we're excited about our little church family that has developed and is growing. Uh, on Sunday mornings, we often have 100 to 120 people, sometimes more than that, that come. And people are so hungry. They want to know more about the Bible. They want to know more about Jesus and to love him and trust him. And so it's a, it's a wonderful church family, a wonderful environment to see uh, the Lord moving and working. And uh, we're so grateful for the opportunity to do this. When I think about Sacred Road, uh, I think about the place in the Gospels where Jesus is asked, what's the greatest command? And he says, um, to love God and to love your neighbor. And I love coming to Sacred Road because um, I see that more tangibly expressed here maybe more than anywhere else. It's the best thing we do all year in our UF. Just to spend a week kind of getting out of ourselves for a little bit and almost being thrust into just a time of, of thinking about the kingdom and what God's doing and having our hearts connect with something uh, outside of ourselves. I think one of the things that students see when they come out here uh, is that the tools for building the kingdom of God are completely different from the tools that the world uses to build greatness. Because when you come out here, their accomplishment, their resume, their names, their wealth, none of that matters on the playground with the kids. None of it matters. Um, everything else that they're building an identity around is completely thrown away. And the question is like, can you love this orphan? other things that are part of your life but just you and that kid and right there you you're both challenged with understanding the heart of Jesus and challenged with trying on the heart of Jesus and um, and th that's what the kingdoms build with it's with like the unadorned you loving somebody because the unadorned Jesus loved you you know I just look at my own my own children you know, what has happened here is, has made a difference in their lives. And whereas before there may have been only despair and now there's hope, there's hope for the, for the children. There's something that they can look forward to in their lives, that they can have a better life. And, uh, you know, it's just making all the difference in the world, making a, a good life for them to have. So just want to say, just thank you again, you know, for, for all the difference, you know, you're making here in our, in our reservation, in our home.
Yeah. Uh, we were planning to do some questions at the end. We don't have much time left, do we? Couple. couple? Okay, we'll take a couple questions. <laughs> yes? So actually, we were just talking to Dave yesterday about that, yeah, um, and he was saying we should get in touch with them. So yeah, we haven't been in touch with them yet, but that definitely is... Yeah, that's definitely something that we'll be looking to do in the future. So, yeah, thank you. Yes. What is this population, like, say, at the first one, the Yakima Reservation? What's the overall population of the people there? So currently there are around 10,000 tribal members, um, but there's a lot of folks who live on the reservation who aren't tribal members. Um, because so it's a checkerboard reservation, so that means that a lot of the land isn't owned by the tribe anymore. Um, so people, anyone can live on that land. Um, anyone can buy that land. Um, but there, but tribal members on the reservation are about ten thousand. Um, and in White Swan, which is kind of where the church is focused, that that town on the reservation and that area of the reservation, um, most of the folks there are um, are Native American. So. Ooh, of the town. I don't know. Small. Yeah, it's not not huge. Um, it's a very small town, kind of out of the way, not not really on the way to anywhere um, kind of town. So, <laughs> yeah. Related to Bethlehem a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it always makes me think of uh, when Jesus, you know, talks about coming to to Bethlehem and or, you know into Nazareth, like small towns. Nobody thought much of them. Kind of reminds me of that. So. <laughs> So in Yakima, they stay at the church building now, um, and there's so some folks will stay out in, in teepees during the summer um, at the church building. Uh, so that's an experience. Um, but uh, and then a lot of times they'll stay in the basement there, or um, like spring teams will just stay in the church, so they'll stay upstairs as well. So. Yeah. So generally, we have uh, teams from churches come in. Uh, it's either two or three weeks in the spring. I think this year it's just two, but usually it's been three. Um, and then five weeks during the summer. Um, so that's, yeah. And, and uh, spots go pretty quickly. So <laughs> we do encourage folks, if you want to try to get there, then you kind of have to think about it ahead of time, pretty far ahead of time, and, and sign up ahead of time. So, But, yeah, if you have questions about that, we'd love to talk to you afterwards and get you in touch with Veronica, who kind of handles all that, too. So, um yeah, and in Warm Springs, uh, it's a little bit different. We stay at a church off the reservation. The, the pastor that uh, I was talking about a little earlier, he pastors that church, and we stay at that church and then drive onto the reservation. So. Maybe one more. You see that families that live on both reservations that they're part of the same family? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can go ahead and explain that. Okay, yeah. Um, so... Whenever the reservations were created um, and uh, people were separated out onto the reservations, um, the, the Yakima and Warm Springs tribes are really closely related um, in terms of like family ties and, and all of that. Um, and a lot of what happened was people were south of the Columbia who were Yakima, or people were north of the Columbia who were Warm Springs um, because they traveled quite a bit. Um, and 
the government just said, all right, if you're north of the Columbia, you're going to the Yakima Reservation. If you're south of it, you're going to the Warm Springs Reservation. So some families got separated um, at that point in time. And now, yeah, there's people who have grandparents on one reservation, and they live on the other. And, and people will move back and forth a lot, too, between the two reservations. Yeah, there's not a lot, whole lot of moving off of a reservation for folks, um, uh, but people will move between reservations. So, All right. Uh, well, thank you so much. We are, we are sticking around, so we'll uh, love to talk to you uh, afterwards and uh, take any other questions you have. So, thank you. <laughs>